This morning, I'm going to teach a lesson called, Is There Not a Cause? It doesn't really fall into the, to the sermon series that we've been doing. Uh, Pastor Sam being out of town, I get to do what I want to do, right? And you won't tell him. There was a, uh, a movie that came out in the, uh, the late 40s, just about the time Pastor Sam was graduating from high school. And he's, he's, uh, he's up in Delaware um, at his high school reunion. I think it's his 305th high school reunion, something like that. See, he's not here. I can make fun of him. But there was a movie that came out in 1948, uh, starred a, a comedian named Red Skelton, and it was called A Southern Yankee. And in this, this movie, there's a scene, it's obviously during the Civil War, there's a scene where he is wearing a part Union uniform it's blue on one side and he's wearing a part confederate on the other side it's gray on the other side he's carrying a flag on one side of the flag is the american flag and on the other side of the flag is the confederate flag and he he is walking carrying uh that flag and and dress so whoever's on this side would see that he is on their side so in other words he was on both sides at one time Now, that was a movie that was a silly movie. Guess what? It doesn't work that way. Right? Life does not work that way. You don't get to play both sides and be who God has called you to be. God has called us to stand up and stand out, not blend in and be overlooked. If you want to uh, turn in your Bible, because obviously there's not going to be scriptures behind me today, we're going to be looking at two passages of scripture. The first one's out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you've got uh, the old-fashioned Bible there with pages in it, you can actually... <laughs> Why does that only happen when I'm speaking? First chapter, uh, First Samuel chapter 17, and the second is going to be out of Genesis chapter 14. So if you want to put your finger in Genesis chapter 14, we're going to start in First Samuel chapter 17. If you are going the digital route, I'll give you time to get over there when we, we get ready. So in First chapter, uh, Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 26, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version, says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, or who is this guy who does not have covenant with God, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? 
And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Let me just throw this in before we move on. Even people that should know better are not always excited when you're really, really living for Jesus. They'll call you religious. They'll say you're taking it too far. There's, they'll say that, that nobody can live up to those standards. And if you really begin to stand up and point out the problems, not only will they get angry with you, they'll start accusing you. Because that's what good church folk do. So if you're going to do anything for God in this life, you need to realize right now, not everybody's going to be happy. Not everybody in the family is going to be happy. Not everybody in the church is going to be happy. But God's going to be happy. And if we set our mind to that's who we're going to serve, we're serving God and only God. You can have a response like David had. In verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Have you ever felt like that? What have I done now? I'm just trying to live for Jesus. I'm just trying to do this with some honor. And people are going to start nitpicking. People are going to start pointing. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Now, you may be reading a version that says, uh, it was just a question, or, or, or I was only saying a word. But it goes back to this, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause in this land today to be who God has called us to be? Is there not a cause in this land today to live a life that truly honors God? And I love this, even though his big brother was fussing at him. It says, then he turned from him toward another and started saying the same thing. Even though people might not be happy with who God has called you to be, they may not be happy with your expression of Jesus. Don't let them pull you down to their level. You pull them higher to your level. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause for us to be the, the kingdom-shaking people of Jesus? Is there not a cause? But let me tell you, causes are inconvenient. Causes are inconvenient. It's not inconvenient to agree. Oh, yeah, I like that. We start talking about winning the lost. Amen, hallelujah. There's people out there that need Jesus. Yes, brother, preach it. There is people out there that need Jesus. 
And then we do an outreach. And there's 100 people in here shouting, yes, let's go. Let's, let's go tell people about Jesus. Then we do an outreach and six people show up. Why? Because the cause is inconvenient. It's easy to agree with, but it's inconvenient to truly live it. It's inconvenient to live a life of faith. It's convenient to agree with it. We can agree with, hey, we, Jesus saves, heals, delivers, sets free. Amen. But it's inconvenient when we have to stand on the Word of God and continue to stand on the Word of God. When it doesn't look like it's going to change, we stand on the Word of God. When other people are telling you it's not going to happen, we stand on the Word of God. We're not shaken because guess what? Eliab is going to come along and say, what are you talking about? Eliab's going to come and he's going to accuse you. You need to get back in your place. And it's inconvenient when you feel like you're standing alone. Right? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 14 now. And I want to look at some inconvenient causes. Genesis chapter 14, starting with verse 14. When Abram, who was Abraham before God changed his name, when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and he went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot and his possessions and the women and the people. Now what was going on here is some kings had come in and they had taken over. And it says after 13 years of rule, after 13 years of, of, of living under, under these kings, the people decided to... to uh, to rise up. And they rebelled against these kings. Well, the kings just came in and snatched everybody, took everything, and they left. Well, what happened, Abraham or Abram was not a part of this group, but his nephew Lot was. So when this happened, somebody came and told Abram, hey, they just took your kinfolks and they're headed that way. What did Abram not do? He didn't go, well, he shouldn't have been down there living at Sodom, should he? Shouldn't have been hanging out in those places, should he? Not where he was supposed to be, was it? We're good at pointing out everybody's faults after the fact, aren't we? 
I told him, I can't tell you how many times I told him to stay away from that place. Stay away from that city. Stay away from that girl. Stay away from that guy. It's easy to see what's wrong with the situation. It's inconvenient to do something about it. So Abram got all his guys together, and they went, and they fought these kings. And they brought the people back. Now I want you to see this. What, what was Abraham fighting for? This is our cause, the cause of people. The cause of people. There really is no, this is the ultimate cause in the earth. It's people. This is the only cosmic battle going on. It's for people. God wants them and the enemy wants them. And this is the battle going on. And our cause. Can we stand up as David stood up and said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? First of all, Abram went after his family. It says, Abram heard his kinsmen had been taken captive. He went after his family. Nobody has more authority to pray and declare over your family than you do. Don't leave it to the pastors to be praying over your family for you. You have authority to declare over your family. Even when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Even when they're living in gross rebellion. You continue to declare, you continue to pray. Because God knows the end. Here's my example. You can sit down now. Why are you dropping stuff all over the floor? What's wrong with you? Three years ago, she would have been one of the last people that you would have thought would have given a year of her life to tell people about Jesus. But she just spent the last year doing that. Why? Because she's my kid. She had no choice in the matter. There is a scripture that says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Do you pray that one? Do you declare that one? Do you fight with that one? Do you, do you speak it over your kid when, the, when they're coming in? And I'm not talking about this one right now because that would be wrong for me to point out any of her faults. But if your kid happened to uh, uh, have the, the sheriff's department call you and say, Hello, sir, we have your child. I'm not talking about this one. Because I would never point out any of her faults, okay? In that moment, what do you do? This is family. Had Abraham told Lot not to hang around Sodom? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but we know what was going on at Sodom. Did Abraham, did Abraham say, well, you know, you can just keep that child? 
whoever it happens to be, and hang up. No. No. Abram did what was necessary to rescue his family. Abram did what was necessary to make sure that his nephew was delivered. Are you fighting for your family? Is there a cause in your family? Is there a cause in in your marriage? Is there a cause with your kids? Is there a cause with anybody in your family? It's inconvenient. When you go to Christmas and Thanksgiving, and they're just as mean as they've ever been, and they're just as rude to you as they've ever been. And it doesn't look like any of your prayers are being answered for them. It's inconvenient to continue to declare the word over them. It's inconven- inconvenient to continue to pray for them. It's a lot easier just to agree with the enemy. It's a lot easier to just say, well, they made their bed. They've got a lie in it. It's a lot easier. But it's inconvenient when there's a cause. Are you willing to be inconvenienced for their freedom? It says that Abram led forth his trained men. Who are you leading? Who are you training up? You want to talk about being inconvenienced? It's inconvenient to disciple people. It's inconvenient to share wisdom with people. It's inconvenient... To pull somebody up next to you and say, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to love you no matter what. Because God's got plans and purposes for you. Who are we training up? Once again, we're, we're good because we're good church people. We're good at, see, at seeing people's faults. We're good at seeing people's sin. Well, you can get a big forum going on, on Facebook or anywhere else talking about the sin that's in the land. Right? Am I wandering too much for y'all? I like being down here. I just come, I'm going to stand up. It's easy to do those things. It's inconvenient to realize that to not go into our world and make disciples is just as big a sin as what they're into.
we're going to wander down here for a while. <laughs> we're called to make disciples. We're called to make disciples. Who are we discipling? Who are we pouring into? You may say, well, I just don't know enough of the word. Has God done anything for you? Share that. And if God has done absolutely nothing for you, wait till the end, we'll give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord. The, everything that the enemy is out there doing is to keep you from speaking. He wants your mouth shut because he does not want you influencing society. He does not want you making disciples. He does not want you loving people in the name of Jesus. But if we're not making disciples, we're in sin. Jesus, after he'd risen from the dead, said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I know it's inconvenient. I know that it's inconvenient to be open to people calling you on your day off. It's inconvenient to take one of your family nights and to be a part of a, a small group where people are being discipled. It's inconvenient. You can say amen. I know it is. <laughs> You've got all of you got your hearing aids turned down this morning, right? That's okay. We'll move on. I'd like to beat that one a little while longer, but I won't. We'll get even worse. It says that Abram brought back the women, and the people. He brought back people that had nothing to do with him. Wasn't his responsibility. He went to get his nephew. But he started rescuing more people. We need to be those that rescue people. Have you ever been lost? I mean, just absolutely lost. On my vacations when I was a kid, before they had GPS, and my dad obviously could not read a map, we spent hours. I can remember being in Austin, Texas one time looking for our hotel and somehow it was across this body of water we could see it we just couldn't get to it we spent hours driving around i don't think we ever made it to that hotel we stayed at another hotel 
were lost. Lost. Did you ever get lost as a kid? I got lost in a store one time, and Lisa had to come get me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I was probably four years old. And I got separated from my parents. I'm sure I was doing something I was told not to do. But suddenly, I was not with my parents. And that's a scary feeling. Right? Would they leave me? Was this a plan of theirs to get rid of me? And I started crying. And this lady came over, what's the matter, honey? I lost my parents. Well, let's go up front and we'll call your name over the intercom. I'm like, really? You're going to say my name over this whole store? Wow, I was suddenly happy. We, we walked about two aisles. I saw my parents out, the, out of my peripheral vision. I didn't tell her that because I wanted to hear my name over the whole store. We have a little lost boy. <laughs> Will the parents of Chris Bauer please come and find him? Oh, I thought that was awesome. Made my parents feel bad. I'm sure I got a toy out of it. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. I've been lost. September the 22nd, 1987, I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. I had no clue what life was about. But then came September 23rd. Then came September 23rd. I've told this story so many times. I'm sure most of you, I know the youth know it. But I've never gotten over it. I didn't sort of get saved. I didn't kind of get saved. I didn't say, Jesus, come live in my heart. I screamed out that I needed a God to change me. Because I was lost. I was lost. But then I was found. Whew. And it changed me. It changed me. I hadn't stopped talking about it all these years later. I've not stopped talking about it. You sit still long enough, and we'll talk about September the 23rd, 1987, because it was the day I was really born. I may have been 20 years old in the natural, but that's the day I was born. I had never lived a day before that day. Everything that I had done before that day amounted to absolutely nothing. And everything that I had done before that day he forgave. Thank God. We are the people of God. We are the people of God. And there are people that are lost and scared. Lost and scared. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world. Now, you know he's not talking about our God. That's the little G God. See, I started crying now. My nose is running. The little G God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The enemy is doing his part to blind people. The enemy's doing his part. And I promise you, he is very diligent to do it. How much more diligent should we be? How much more diligent should we be? I'm diligent because of September the 23rd. Because he found me. Because he rescued me. We need to be diligent. It's inconvenient to live a life in such a way that people want what you have. It's inconvenient to tell people about Jesus. It is inconvenient, especially in an area that seems to be overly saturated with the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. You know why it's so much fun to go on these mission trips? Because a lot of them don't know Jesus. And they see a difference and they grab it and they run for it. But we've been churchified here. Oh, yeah, 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 I've heard about Jesus. And we think of Tyler as this place because it does. It's got a church on every corner. That's why we didn't build one on the corner. We hid it behind Jack of Diamonds. We think that everybody goes to church. We think that everybody has heard the gospel. We think that everybody has a relationship with God. When the fact is, 80% of Tyler, Texas, does they don't attend a church. 80%. That's, the, that's a statistical fact. 80%. That means there is a lot of people out there that need to know about Jesus. There are a lot of people out there that may have been hurt in a church. I was one of those. They may have been hurt in a church, but they need to know that not every church is like that church. They need to know that there is a place where they can go be healed. They can go be set free. They can go be loved on. That they'll be welcomed no matter what they look like. That it's okay if you come in here in a suit and tie. We'll love you anyway. <laughs> we need to be inconvenienced 
for the gospel. We need to be inconvenienced for Jesus. We need to be like Abram, who was willing when he heard that something evil was going on, got up and did something about it. He fought for his family. He trained up men. He was ready for that day because he had trained up men. And then he brought back those that had been captured. He rescued those that needed to be rescued. That's who we've got to be. And that was point one. <laughs> it really was, but... <laughs> We won't, we won't go into the other 15. Miss Dawn. We're getting ready to go into a, a new church building. We will no longer have the excuse that the, the ceiling leaks. Please pray with me that it does not rain between now and the time we move because I have changed that ceiling tile so many times that the only one I could find was a short one. As you can see, I've started stealing them from places. I'm not going to be satisfied with just changing buildings. I don't believe that's what the Lord is doing. I believe what the Lord is doing is really bringing us to a, a, a crossing of the Jordan moment. Just like the children of Israel, they'd been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And then God says, now's the time to go into the promised land. But as they were going into the promised land, they had to stop by a place called Gilgal. Gilgal in Hebrew means cutting away before they they possessed the promised land they were inconvenienced they all went to Gilgal and they were all circumcised at least the guys were There was a cutting away. There was a change as they were stepping into who God had really called them to be. Manna had rained down from heaven every day for the last 40 years. Guess what happened the day after they got into the promised land? They were inconvenienced. Supper was not waiting just outside the door. As we transition, I believe it's a spiritual transition. Thankfully, we live in the New Testament and in the New Covenant. And Paul says it's a circumcision of heart now. But we need to allow some things to be cut off. So we can truly be. This church, I'm, I, this church has a calling. It is not better than any other church in this town. 
It may be similar to other churches, but there are specific things that God has called us to do. And we need to be faithful to do that. And only we can do that. So this morning, as we finish up, Pray with me for a second. Would you stand up? Let's let's honor the, the presence of the Lord by just standing. And I hope you didn't take this message as, as any type of condemnation. I'm not trying to, to pour shame. Hey, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all missed it at times when we should have been sharing the gospel and we miss those opportunities. We've not been discipling because we've been very consumed with our own hurts and needs. But that's not who God has called us to be. Maybe you've got a situation in your family going on right now. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's even a mom or dad. God wants to do some rescuing. And He wants to use you to do it. So if I, when I said that, if somebody popped into your mind, that's who we're going to pray for. Maybe you've not been sharing your wisdom. Maybe you've not been pouring into somebody. Maybe we've, we've become so busy with life that we forget sometimes to even disciple our own kids. But if you're in the kingdom, there's enough Jesus in you right now to love on somebody in Jesus' name. And then last, let's share the love and light of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of times we've been raised up in church so we, we don't know what it's like to truly be crushed and broken by the world and we forget that there are those out there that are being crushed they are being broken and the answer is not just a pat on the back the answer is Jesus the answer is Jesus